This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Hello, Sam. How goes it? Very well. It's Friday. Hooray! <laughs> That's so exciting. That's two days closer to kayaking, hopefully on Sunday. Is that your, that's the plan for the weekend? Yep, plan for the weekend. Just got roof racks put on the car today and Jack and I are off to do some serious trout slaying on Sunday. And you'll be pleased to know that when I was going to swimming this morning, they were doing a roundup of the temperatures and Fakatani was the coldest place in the country. No. <laughs> it, only, it was 18 degrees at four o'clock this afternoon. So it must have been blimmin' hot everywhere else. <laughs> It was at five o'clock in the morning. It was three degrees in Fokatani. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? Um, today we are very fortunate to have the very lovely Rebecca Williams, um, who was one of our colleagues at Otago Polytech until recently and is now the Governance Manager at Central Otago District Council. And as a new colleague of mine, in a sort of roundabout way, just appointed to the Otago Community Trust, which is in Whakatane, we have the Bay Trust, which is the um, same sort of community trust. So um, I'm super excited that I'll get to have an ongoing relationship with Rebecca. She's a spectacular person, and I'm really glad that we get to interview you today. Welcome. Oh, kia ora koutou, kia ora kōtua. Oh, well, and we're Fenonga as well. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Welcome, Rebecca. How has your bubble life been? Ah, uh, my bubble life. Who I think I've probably been lucky enough to spend the um, time in my bubble in the best place in the country. So um, we moved eighteen months ago to Cromwell, and the day that that lockdown was, I'd sn- I'd snuck up to Wellington for the weekend in March, and. Um, and I was on the plane watching the Prime Minister's announcement about going into lockdown and I was coming home and I thought, oh, crikey. And um, the first thing I did when I, because we had new neighbours, so the first thing I got did when I got home was went to knock on their door so that I could make sure they were, I knew they were older. And I, I thought we need to make sure that everybody in our street know, knows how to connect. And we did. And now we got quiz nights going on so it's fab <laughs> and I worked I could completely do my job from home I'm lucky enough to have a home office um, 
I had to do my job very differently because I work with all the elected members and run the meetings and I had to figure out how to live stream meetings and I became a producer. I think I could have a job in Hollywood actually now after all the production I did <laughs> during lockdown. Um, and that was awesome. And yeah, so it was. I, I've been really lucky to have a great bubble life. So did council meetings and so on move online? Yeah, yeah, we had to. We uh, um, we got some special legislation through the house. So before lockdown, you you could remote into a meeting, but you weren't counted as quorum. And so, so there was some urgent legislation passed to through the COVID time, allow us to um, count those participating virtually as um, quorum. And so we yeah we but we had to live stream our meeting. We had to either provide a live streamer of our meetings or um, do a or a a, a summary sheet of the meeting pretty quickly following so but we figured out how to live stream and I had five screens going in my little office for a bit <laughs> <laughs> to keep an eye on everything <laughs> so yeah that was it was hard but it was good and and some of our like we've just got crap internet in some of our places up here so um some of it wasn't as successful as we hoped to but but in the whole it worked pretty well and did you have anyone doing the dusting in their underwear no, lucky we made a decision early on to um, no cameras because of our internet connectivity issues. We decided that it would be audio only and have photos. And that once we saw our colleagues in Dunedin, so faux pas, we thought that was a very wise decision. <laughs> Let's take the first of your music selections. Let's have, with a little help from my friends, the Joe Cocker version. Why this one? Yeah. Uh, this is one of my all-time favourite songs, and I just, I think I would have loved to have been part of Woodstock, um, but, you know, I'm just not we're nowhere near old enough, nor would have been anywhere near it, um, but I love the passion in this song, I love the, 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 the lyrics, um, and I just, it, it's a song that moves me, and I, I love it, and I sing it very loudly when it's playing in my car. Sing out a key. Yeah. Oh, baby, how Ha! 
So did all of the council work go back into into secluded rooms once the once you're allowed to, or did you say this isn't bad? Let's stay doing this. We're doing both. Um, so we took a long time to transition back into the office. Um, the meetings we held online. It's very hard. It's much harder to have part physical and part remote. It's it's far easier to do both one or the other and so we have had a couple like today and the money of Toto the mayor wasn't able to make it but he we teamed him in and that worked pretty well today actually I think we're getting more used to it but um but we took a while we're now having those convert like I've just ordered a, a second screen for home so that I can work at home far easier and um our boss has at least one day a week 
working from home. Um, so it's really encouraged in our organisation to do that and look at our and also look at our space and how we utilise it better. Um, I'm a bit of a hoarder and nester, so my desk, you know, it's my desk, and I'm trying to not not be that person, but it's just not working. So <laughs> so I'll have a home desk and a work desk. Yes. I must say that for a while my home desk was cleaner than my work desk, but having been here for some months, I am accumulating things. Yeah. Mostly toys <laughs> that, that that sit here and um, get played with while, uh, while I'm talking to people. That's, what else would you do? Well, I've got this pen that's got... It's all magnetic and it's got ball bearings and things on it, and I can play oh, with this cool. endlessly. So that that's a that's a good one that's staying, yeah, yeah, staying on the on the desk. So did your how did your community respond to the to the pandemic? Cromwell again? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing actually. One of the things that happened fairly early on was um, a a Facebook page got created called Cromwell Caremongering. And so it was the community coming together to share what it could in very different circumstances. So we, um, it was like sharing, because it was harvest time. And so there was a lot of sharing of fruit, you know, saying, look, I'm going to put this fruit out at this address at this time, da, da, da. Um, You know, there was all those sorts of things about how we as a small town could help one another. So um, then you'd go, the other thing Cromwell was blessed with is, walkways everywhere and so which I didn't know until I moved here um, and you'd come along and there'd be activity activities to do on the footpath <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty awesome except I usually walk at 6am and they're pretty it's pretty dark <laughs> so you didn't I didn't see them for a while um, but yeah so I think Cromwell responded remarkably and not just Cromwell but I think the whole of Central Otago I was listening to um, the, right, the early morning Central Otago radio up here and um, our, our friends over in the Ramfrilly Mania Toto, they just completely got on with it and they organised themselves um, magnificently as a community and made sure that those who needed assistance got it and um, yeah, really rose. So I think, yeah, it was lovely to see. And, and my, then back to my own street, um, I know the names of all my neighbours and what they do now. So as a result, you know, that's awesome. In terms of the the reset that the whole country or the whole world is is happening, how is that being played out in in Central Otago? Is it is it a reset? Yeah. Is it a back to normal? What's what's going on? Mm, I think we're still figuring that out, and I think because it is going to have a significant effect. Um, we our primary industries are horticulture and viviculture, um, and we and labour shortages are going to be keenly felt very soon and now then we've got very close neighbours at Queenstown where tourism of course is the um, highest and so it's this real mix of what is going to happen you know what are where are we what's what are we looking for how how can we um, ensure that our orchards and vineyards have the labour that they need and how do we support our um, you know our our neighbouring communities of Queenstown and Wanaka, um, yeah. So I think going forward, it's it's we've got a long way to go, and I think we just need to keep supporting and and being kind to one another and um, figuring out different ways of doing things. 
In terms of the, the labour, you did have some, were they Pacific Island horticulture workers? Vanuatu, from Vanuatu. And they, we had one, one crew just go back last week or earlier this week. So they've been here an extraordinarily long time, um, far longer than anticipated. And um, the community, again, wrapped around and have really supported them. Um, but they've been a long way from home for a long time. And so it's great that they've, they've been able to get home. Um, and yeah, but then it's when do they get back? So if, if they get back. Because they're needed both here and presumably the money that they earn is needed there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be, we'll just see how that pans out. One of the cool things that's happening on our um, radio station up here, the Red Cross ads about their, um, I think it's Manaki Manuhiri program. Um, and they're doing it in all the languages of people, folk who live here. So we're, less, we're getting to hear it in English and then in the language of Vanuatu and then South America, like both Portuguese and South America, um, Spanish. And it's just awesome. I love it. It's a little bit of traveling without leaving. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about the be kind message. Why do you think that's resonated so much? Uh I think it's been really tough, and I think you know I I know how blessed I've been, and I don't have um I don't have kids at home, so it's been really easy to be at home and do what I needed to do. But we we know that that's not the same for everybody, and we also know that not everybody still has the work that they had or the income that they had, and so um and it's it's just being more aware of that, of of the um, circum the different circumstances that each of us face and how we can support one another instead of, you know, um, being too quick to judge. <laughs> I think that one of the things that it's shown, the pandemic has shown, is that be kind is not just some sort of trite or, or even yeah. not trite, but it's, it's not just a be nice to that person, you know, your neighbour. It can actually be used as the basis for policy. It can actually be used as the basis for, for decision-making. Yeah, and I think that's been fabulous, you know. And I I mean, I am a left-leaning, well, leaning, quite left <laughs> person. Um, but I just, it just resonates with me. And I just think, you know, when I'm starting to, we're starting to hear the politics come through the the, the election campaign now. And, and I'm just, don't want to hear it and I and I don't think that's just because I do support the current government I I think it's um I'm just don't know that there's much place for meanness anymore well that would be a good outcome what in it let's take something that's definitely not mean let's have Tahu yeah bubble sprite of the forest of Orokanui Dunedin's favorite goddess Tahu Mackenzie Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanu ki a koutou ko tāhoahau. Hope you're all having best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope that you are. Whatever is happening on you, this journey all on together is proving to be very fulfilling and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. A triumph of nature's art. Perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So I've had a very exciting day before people. And of course, I've been very excited to talk to you about it. So thank you very much for having me. So grateful to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team. Thank you. And here in Autiporti Staneden, past couple of days, very, very windy. We've had gale force wind warnings. It's been very exciting. 
So of course for my beautiful education groups have had to reschedule their adventure at Otokanui Eco Sanctuary, my heart's homework placed until next week so that they don't get completely blown away or squashed under a big beautiful tree falling down. And so of course this got me thinking about the role of the beautiful wind in our ecosystems and in our lives, how we conceptualise the universe. And I know for me that when I'm out in the wind and I'm able to really connect with it, I find it really exciting and really invigorating. And I feel like it's really just blown away all of the baggage and any worries or anything I have that's holding me back or holding me down, it can just be blown away by the wind. And I'm so grateful for that. And so the best thing that I find with the wind is to really make the effort to connect with it and enjoy it and really relish that sense of freedom and speed and space, expansive freedom that the wind communicates. But of course, if I'm rushing about and feeling that I am not able to connect with the wind, then I find the wind quite frustrating and quite difficult to be around. But of course, at all times, the wind is doing great work. And I feel that the wind is one of the real leaders in terms of the process that we're all part of, which is nutrient cycling. And as a species of human animal, we may not be aware that we are taking part in nutrient cycling, but we are. All life is. And the wind is particularly good at this. The wind is moving nutrients all over the face of our beautiful paradise planet, all the way up through the atmosphere, all the way up from the surface of the sea. And it's not only life-giving minerals and wonderful, wonderful grains of soil and sand and rock, but it is also shaping life. It's moving life forms around. Beautiful spiders flying around 2,000, 3,000 metres up in the air, in the air plankton zone, which is just amazing. It's also moving beautiful birds. That's how Taoho, the silver eye, flew here from Australia in the 1860s because there were these very strong winds and they're called Taoho, little stranger, because Māori had never seen them. And of course for Māori, the wind is enshrined, the wind is personified as Tāwhiri Mātia, Atua, god of the winds and weather. And in the beautiful, beautiful Pūrako of the creation story when Papatuanuku, Earth Mother, Rakinui, Sky Father, were bonded together so tightly they felt like one person. And of course they started having babies and all the babies were squashed in the middle. All the babies wanted to make space because they could see in their heart and in their mind Te Aumarama, the world of light that we live in. And so they all tried to make space between Papatunuku and Rakinui. And it was only Tafari Matia who didn't want this to happen. He didn't want them to be separated. He got very cross about it. But we all know that anger is a secondary emotion. And the first emotion is fear. So I think that he felt afraid of that space. But what we can see he has done is in fact he has kept the parents connected. He moves all the nutrients, all the gifts between the earth and the sky. He fills all the space between them so they are never really apart. And for this I am so grateful to Tafari Matia, the wind, and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Rebecca Williams in Cromwell. 
Moira was talking about the your new role on the the trust. Yeah. How's that come about? The, so, oh, it's been on the cards for so long. <laughs> um, so, it was I've been having conversations with a lot of people for a long time, and it's um, coming on the Otago Community Trust is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, they have. I've worked with the Community Trust through my previous role as the Community Development Manager at the DCC, um, and really admired the work that they do and how they can empower communities and walk alongside communities. And um, and so earlier this year, I really started to explore how, how I could participate in our local trust and so um, had conversations with both David Clark and, um, and then Grant Robertson and, um, and there it was. <laughs> so what does it mean you have to do? Or get to do. Oh, go. I get to. So are we. So we manage the funds, um, and we look after. We ensure so community trusts exist in perpetuity, which I really like because, and I really like that because I remember, and I'm pretty sure it was when Peter Chin was elected mayor, and we facilitated a conversation with Kua Langsbury, who was all at Otako, and he came in to talk to the mayor, and he said to Peter, you know local councils and and runaka are, are similar in that they're both perpetual they exist to to better the lives of the people to come and so this you know when i go to uh, the community trust and we talk about how community trusts are perpetual and that they exist they exist to better the future generations i it really resonates with me in my upbringing and my long career in local government and i think it's just a natural occurrence that i've ended up um, you know, sitting alongside and doing what I can with um, the Otago Community Trust. So we, I'm really looking forward to figuring out what that might be. And we have a um, a training, a planning day coming up in November, which is great. So I have a cut, you know, we while just to read a set of board papers and grant applications um, and get my head around things before we think about what does it look like? What are where are we at? How do we support this our our community in this new environment? And what is it that we can do um, to to make the world a better place? I was listening to an Australian economist, an academic today, who was talking about how the the notion of shovel ready is a, a hangover from the. Uh, the Great Depression, that that the the thing that they were doing to stimulate the economy was was building roads and and so on, um, and bec- the reason was was that it took a lot of people because they didn't have many machines, and so you want to build a road, you need a lot of people, mostly men, to to carry, push wheelbarrows, um, and the problem we have now is that it's all done by machines, and it's mostly mm. men, mm. and it's not the men that have lost their jobs, mostly in in COVID. So he was talking yeah. about what we should be doing in terms of the equivalent of shovel ready. We should be investing in social services and community development. And it got me thinking about what's the what's the equivalent of shovel ready? Can we have a how do we describe the alternative? I think um I've read I, the um the community builders network um alongside Rafina Parker's um, consultancy agency have done some done a piece of work with 
interviewing different, uh, I think 40 different community organisations, predominantly based in Dunedin. Um, so if you talk to if you talk to the people who are working in the social sector, I think they're really clear <laughs> about the sorts of things that that um, could help a, a big number of people. And I, you know, I reflect back on my own experience um, working with the task force. We called it Task Force Green Crew at the Dunedin City Council. Um, and that was just a hangover from the funding scheme that it originated from. But but these are an awesome group of people who who have been um, what's labelled as long term unemployed for for the majority of their long lives and um, and their contribution to our to the Dunedin community is significant. And and if you look at that example and how you could do something like that at a much larger scale. Um, where where people are valued for the contribution that they can make <laughs> you know i think you know i hope one of the big lessons that we've all learned from and I, myself included from this experience is that we don't need to have as much as we've got you know we can survive on far far less than what we have and and that if a lot whole lot of more sharing went on then perhaps the world you know perhaps it would be a much nicer place to be. Um, and I know that's, I mean, I just bought cushions this week that match the artwork that I have, for, uh, for goodness sake. <laughs> and they're beautiful and I love them, but, you know, completely unnecessary. And and what is a reimagined, you know, Sam, you and I have had conversations before about what does a world post-capitalism look like? And... and how do we start imagining that? I don't know how I got here, but anyway. <laughs> but what's the importance of, of having not necessarily an actual vision, but the ability to, to have that kind of imagination, that kind of vision? That's well, hugely important, you know, and, and having those conversations together as communities, because... You know, the, I I absolutely believe in the power of community and the power of um, people who want change will affect change. You know, and so together, if we if we start having those conversations, it'd be fascinating. I don't know if you were at the brainstorming session that down in Dunedin. I, um, you know, but what are those sorts of things look like? What are what are those big conversations look like? How do we facilitate conversations with people who don't have the ability to participate in those sorts of things? You know. Mm. So, of all of the changes that we have seen in the last few months, the societal level changes, what do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick? Oh, this this what we're doing right now. Well, I have been able to participate in so many things locally, regionally, and nationally. Uh, I don't think I've done any international, <laughs> um, but it's been it's been awesome. You know, I'm, I'm in Cromwell participating in these um, conversations around the country, and that is cool. And that would never I would never have done that in February. Um, you know, and that's what six months, seven. How many months ago um so so that's amazing and i and i think our, our our whole our work lives have changed you know for those of us who had nine to five desk jobs that doesn't look like that anymore and so um 
how does then that free up your time to contribute differently to your the place that you live um, and yeah and I think then we need to think um, about the future of work you know we've done that we've already, there's already been well there's always conversations about future of work but I think now when we're facing the future that we have we need to have it again I wonder if that genie is is able to be put back in the bottle and I'm, I'm thinking that we all liked the 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 lockdown again recognizing the, the the people who are more vulnerable and did in fact suffer during that time but for mm. for a decent number of us it was that time of of reset it was that time of not having the cars on the roads and having yeah. that time to go on walks and 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 so on but for some reason we all rushed back to being busy yeah that's are, right. are we addicted to being busy <laughs> yeah i think we might be I think, yeah, I, I've slowed down a bit. Well, I, I think the move from Dunedin has made me slow down and now it's cranking back up, but it's a community trust. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I would, it is, I think we might be a little bit addicted to being busy. I have a colleague who has come down from Auckland um, and he's a young dad and single income family with mum at home looking after the wee ones. And I think, how cool is that? <laughs> you know, that used to be the norm. <laughs> and and now and now because we all think we need it so much, it's not. And you know, and I really, really hope that especially people of young families think, well, I don't need all that stuff. <laughs> you know, I I can I can time with my kids is precious and and I really need to prioritize that and I really you know gonna spend these years doing that and I, I that's the thing that my biggest wish out of this is that is that people with families who you know get to spend more time with their kids what lessons do you think we can take from this for the the biggest sorts of questions the the climate change or or social injustice, the sorts of things that are intergenerational. Well, yeah, but you know, some of the things that annoyed me about lockdown was the rush buying, and and I mean, it really annoyed me because people who haven't got any money can only buy stuff on one day of a week, and it is usually the stuff that everyone else was out there panic buying. So that that just did my head in I was I was so frustrated by that because I thought it was so mean not intentionally mean it was just a, a complete lack of awareness for those people who haven't got the ability to buy what they want when they want um, you know and so uh, that that I don't know even why I got onto this Sam what was the question <laughs> that's how angry I am about it <laughs> Oh, social justice. <laughs> so, you know, when you're thinking about it's how how do we, and I think it's starting to happen, but how do we how do we acknowledge how other people live, and how do we know how do we understand how other people live, and how do we provide a window um, into different ways of living and and understanding the differences that we have. And, you know, there was a, 
um, this week there was a Society of Local Government Managers um, forum in Christchurch, and I wasn't at it, but I heard a colleague of mine explain uh, it was um, Ganesh from Burl, um was the economist who was speaking at it, and he, he was telling pe telling the people there that there was well, I think nearly two million people who earned under thirty four thousand dollars a year in New Zealand, and and these people were were amazed by that and. That is our reality, you know. We have a lot of people in this country who earn very little, and what does the world look like for them? And how how do we all? Yeah, it's a it's a complete shakeup. How do we collectively ensure that we all have enough? Their move to kindness and and well-being as yeah. the, the the basis from that is very much driven by that, and perhaps this has given that legs. It, it's shown that that wasn't just thing because when the first well-being budget came out, ignoring the shenanigans about some other party getting hold of the budget, the, the it was all very like, well, yeah, that's all very nice, but show us the money. Mm -hmm. And now there's been at least a balancing of that with the, you know. The, the showing the decent connection between the health, the society, and the economy. Yeah, and yeah, pulling exactly. those two things together, and the be kindness message. It's starting to bring those ideas to the fore. I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I, I think me and you have had these conversations before about having having had the privilege of being raised the way I have. Um, it took me a long time to understand sustainability because. In, in a in a academic sense because because it just is <laughs> you know you you just wouldn't you just wouldn't put one part of the society above the other you know you wouldn't you wouldn't make your river run dry to ensure you got more profit you know it's just dumb it's just not the way that we're raised and so sustainability is a lot as a way of being um, for many and so yeah I think I, I completely agree with you I think it is time for those that thinking and conversations and the other thing that this has shown is that change is possible it's going to be Absolutely. awfully difficult for someone in the future to say no we can't do that yeah yeah because it's been done let's take the second of your music choices let's have Lean on me, the Club Nouveau version. Oh, of course, classic 80s.
I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Me? Yep. Oh, oh that is hard. Um, what is the biggest success? Well, we built a house. I've never built a house before. So successfully building a house that's keeping us warm and dry um, was pretty cool. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed building a house I'm because I'm a bit bossy <laughs> so and I tend to know what I want and so yeah I enjoyed that process so that, and the whole move moving towns is a big deal um, and it's going pretty well and starting new job and meeting new people and all of that sort of stuff um, especially for yeah. someone who's so involved in community I know, <laughs> but I've still got my nose in all the things. I've still got my fingers in all the pies and nose in everybody else's business. <laughs> but then I can just sweep in, give my view and sweep out again. <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're on our team. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Oh... Um, I think probably connecting, connect, I, I connect people and I think I've been thinking about this a lot. So I'll, I'll have, when I meet somebody new, I'll ask a whole series of quick questions and I suspect it's, I went to quite a lot of primary schools and I think it's something that's been bred from that experience that I, I'm, I figure out how to make connections with people quickly. I try and find a common thread quickly. Um, And so then I will try and connect that, you know, it's like that matching card game where you played as a kid. (laughs) So I'll say, oh, that person, this person does that, and that person, that's your connection. Um, That's my superpower. I think you and Moera have got that in common and possibly from the same place. (laughs) Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Absolutely. I used to say when I was working at the DCC that I was a um, a community activist in a bureaucrat's clothing. <laughs> Are you allowed to be a community activist in a bureaucrat's clothing? Oh, I got away with it for quite some time. <laughs> I wasn't hiding anything. <laughs> I'm still doing it. <laughs> and what motivates you? Uh, affecting the world, making the world a better place for the future. You know, for my family, my friends, for the community, the society we have now, but but particularly for the future. Is that fun, engaging communities and visions of the future? Pardon? I just made up that part of your job is engaging communities and visions of the future. Yeah. And I, I don't want to know if it's fun to do that. Of course it is. I love that. Yeah, you know, it was um, when I was at a Tiger Poly. It was so I was um, so blessed to have that role as Tumwaki over at Te Punaka and work with our Māori students. But then 
then there was that community engagement role and I left before I could really get stuck in big time but but that's the essence you know that making connections with people and figuring out how systems and processes and organizations and that can support and work with one another it's that's that's where the joy is in life <laughs> and so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next well, year or so community trust community trust and um, figuring out what my place is there and how I can affect change the best. Do you think that, how, how do you think you're going to stack up against, I don't know, I, I'm imagining things again, against the accountants? Well, I was lucky, well, lucky, lucky's not all. I used to do look after do the minutes for Dunedin City Treasury. So I learned all the stuff about hedge funds and you know all that all the financial stuff um ages ago so I, I i'm not starting where i would have started if i hadn't had that experience because that is quite a big deal to get your head around the world of um of oh what do you call it um looking after lots of money <laughs> um and doing that well because that's a really important role you know and we need to do that well um but, you know, I've, I was on the Polytech board when it changed from a 20-person representative model to a eight-person corporate, and um, and I have my own. I, I prepare well. I know what I'm there to do and, um, you know, support the others. And, I, and, and to support those accountants and stuff, see the world differently. <laughs> and, they, and them to help me with their stuff. So is it about being able to put social change in terms of return return on investment those kind of concepts yeah absolutely and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners oh what do i know <laughs> um i think you know it's just often we are quick to rush to judge others um, you know, and it's and myself included. And I think at times we just have to pause and think why, and um, and try and see the world through their eyes, and um, and understand why things are happening the way they are. Um, you know, and and just have a bit bit more compassion for each other. And and I think we are getting there as a nation. I think that certainly happened through this crazy time we've been. Um, but yeah, let's not forget that message. Thank you for that, Moira. Um, I'm just thinking, Rebecca, you're like my twin. <laughs> it's really fun listening to you talk, and and um, and thank you for the massive contribution you've made in such an important space. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you both. It's, this is, I've really enjoyed this and I love that this radio show exists. I'm, I'm looking forward to figuring out how to listen to it from up here, over here. Let's go out to 660. Don't forget your roots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Cromwell, Rebecca Williams. We hope you enjoyed the show. your family yeah don't forget your roots my friend yeah oh yeah this podcast was produced by or fm dunedin with support from new zealand on the air